Welcome to What the Famicom, home of video game nonsense. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the What the Famicom podcast, the number one source of gaming, anything and everything on the web, in-person, magazines, whatever you read, hear, or see. It's not, it's not the real, real deal. I, this is, I tell you everything. I tell you the ins and outs of the industry that probably you don't want to hear. And that's, you know, that's what I'm here for. This is the number one source of all gaming. You know, it's the most important stuff you'll probably hear ever. And this is, this is a big, the big moment. This is episode 10. And episode 10 is monumental. It's huge. It's the biggest, it's, it's big. Uh, what better better thing to talk about than a something that you fuckers might not even know, and once you find out, it might make you wet your pants. And I'm not just talking about PP. And b a product from a company that even has the word ten in it. Yes, yes, of course I'm talking about the big N, Nintendo, and their landmark home console that made your grandpa's eyes go cross-eyed because the graphics were so fucking too futuristic for him, he was like, holy shit, I was in World War II, and these this fucking shit's blowing my mind. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. You're probably like, hey, idiot, I know what the NES is. I know what the Nintendo is. I had one. Your podcast sucks. I, I just really hope you get toe fungus. And, you know, and I'll say to you, Mom, I'm not talking about Nintendo's 1985 console. I am talking about Nintendo's very first console released only... Get this only in fucking Japan in 1983. The Nintendo Famicom. You didn't fuck, you fuckers, you didn't think I was going to talk about it. You know how much I hate talking about it, but you get, but you, you deserve it. Episode 10. It probably could be my last episode ever, so I figured I'd give you what you wanted. So, what is the Famicom? Aside from being the second part of my name, first I'll tell you what the Famicom was not, because that's pretty fucking easy. It was not Nintendo's first foray into the gaming world. That honor belongs to the 1970s TV games line. But my name isn't fucking what the fam at TV games, is it? Go somewhere else for that shit. Also, I'll tell you what it's not. It was not the first product to use the D-pad on a controller. That would be, you got it, on the Nintendo first, from the Nintendo Game & Watch series from the early 80s. But again, Assholes. Do I look like with the Fama Game and Watch? Which that doesn't that doesn't fucking make sense. It's more like OM Game and Watch. OMG Game and Watch. That's yeah, it's, that's good. Okay, I'll go with that. So the Famicom. It it was the Phoenix rising from the ashes of the big gaming crash in nineteen eighty three. It was the most most fucking important part of the third generation of consoles. The word Famicom is short for family computer. It was designed by Masayuki Yamura in the early 80s after Nintendo was like, Yo, hey guys, you see how everyone is trying to add floppy disks and keyboards to these things in America? Fuck that. Let's make chunky cartridges that look like great toast. And they, you know, they were having huge success in the arcade market in the early 80s. They were like, we're going to make our own thing. We don't need to like jump off America's, you know, bandwagon. So they thought, fuck it, let's just make our own thing and America can suck our dick. 
So they created a console that was going to up the ante of, get this, 8-bit graphics. Yeah, it, it blew everyone's mind. Move over, Atari. Eat shit, ColecoVision. Sit on it and spin Magnavox Odyssey. And who are you, Fairchild Channel 5? Look it up. Who the fuck are you? Who? Who? Get out of here. Get out of the history of gaming, Fairchild Channel 5. You don't belong anywhere. Fuck off. So the Famicom was simple in specs and design. If you're interested in any of this fucking jargon, I got some jargon for you. If you're interested, its RAM was 2 gigabytes. 2 kilobytes. Sorry, I don't know what a gigabyte is. The VR RAM was 2 kilobytes. It was able to produce 54 colors on screen. The processor used was a custom Ricoh 2A03 at 1.79 megahertz. And over a thousand fucking games were released for it. It's a lot of, I don't even think, I think that might be the most ever for a fucking console. It was about the size of a tape recorder at the time. So I'm sure you can imagine 80s tape recorder is about that size. It was a top loader system. If you don't know what that means, just think of how people put, uh, Sega Genesis games in the Genesis. Think of it like that. Or you could just ask, you know, your mom, because she's a fucking slut. She knows what that means. You know what, you know what I mean? Okay. The actual console was just white and red. And the red parts were the borders, the on-off switch, the plastic piece that you put the cartridge in, and the controllers. And, hmm, <laughs> these fucking things. Speaking of the controllers, Nintendo, at the time when they were making it, they were trying to figure out a way to to use, to do something with the controllers. And they even wanted to use a joystick. They wanted to try to use the joystick as a controller. But one of their reasonings for not using it was they thought that kids on the ground would leave it and kids would step on it. What? That's fucking stupid. So guess what these lazy, that's stupid by itself. Guess what these lazy motherfuckers did instead? Remember that Game & Watch thing I mentioned? If you don't know what it is, I'm, I'm glad you don't. But it was just shittier Game Boys before Game Boy. And some of them were like two screens. So it was kind of like a you know, precursor to Nintendo DS, but way, way shittier. Anyway, someone at Nintendo was like, hold the fucking phone. I got an idea. Got an idea so brilliant, you might make me president of Nintendo after this. And they just took the bottom half of the Game & Watch and attached it to a cord and said, hey, boom, that's your controller, suckas. That was probably the very first mic drop moment in history to be recorded. Uh, the, the controller was just lifted straight from that. They don't even make, they don't even, you know, pretend that it wasn't. So, you know, it was, like I said, the Game & Watch started the D-pad. So they even lifted the D-pad from there. So there you go. Between this and the fucking Power Glove, Nintendo is just all about you know, gluing shit together. They're just like, hey, here's this, here's this. Let's, let's, let's glue it. Let's do it, man. You know, the Nintendo Switch, it's just basically a Wii U and a Nintendo 64 glued together when you really think about it. The Nintendo GameCube, just a toaster. You know, it's just a toaster. With, there's nothing glued to it, just with a handle. If you ever try, you can toast shit in it. I'm not kidding. Think about it. Anyway, back to the controllers. Uh, the cool thing about the controllers is you can actually put the controllers on the side of the system just to kind of get them out of the way to like store them, which I kind of wish more systems did that because it's kind of convenient and cool. 
but it makes it less cool when you find out about the player two controller you know you, you got you got two kids they're playing johnny a is like hey let's play this johnny b yeah his friend is named johnny b fuck off johnny b is like oh i want to play too wait how come i don't have a start or select button on my controller who needs those when you got a built-in microphone in the player two controller what what fucking who the fuck wanted that apparently they built in a built-in microphone only in the player two controller so you can talk into it and your voice would come out of the tv or the speakers it only works for a couple games who the fuck wanted that obviously not mom and dad who bought the goddamn console because they didn't want to talk to their kids or listen to them now they have to hear their kids yelling in the controller and have the tv yelling at them back in the kid's voice who the fuck who who wants that nobody no i'm good no thanks i don't i would never want to hear someone yelling at me like that through a controller anyway so the console came out it was released on july 15th 1983 for 14,800 yen which 2019 would be 18,400 yen. So the, the conversion basically came out in 83 for $139. Today would be 173. That's that's not that's not bad. So console came with arcade Nintendo made the arcade versions of Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. and Popeye. So they just ported them to the Famicom. They came with the Famicom ports of those. So these mother, these fucking motherfuckers were selling like hotcakes in Japan. And over time, a bunch of collaborations, add-ons, things, you'd, accessories you didn't fucking need, they came their way too. Uh, when the Famicom started exploding, like nobody really cared about it, so only in Japan these things were released. So they were exclusive to Japan like a modem. Okay, sure. 3D glasses that probably gave, gave kids seizures and a keyboard. So before... Nintendo was like, now nah, we don't need a keyboard. And now they're like, give us a keyboard. Hey, make up your mind, Nintendo. You want a keyboard or not? You know, I don't fucking... I don't know what your racism against keyboard is, but just fucking take it. One of the more famous ones. You probably... If you know about the Famicom, you've probably seen it in pictures with the Famicom. It is the disc reading system. The Famicom disc reader. What you would do is you would put up a small part of the reader on top of the console... And then put the console on top of a chunky disc reader to insert the floppy disk in. Yeah, there's there fucking floppy disk. It connected via cords. You just connect the back. And through the and through it, it made games available in floppy disks, which allowed, which is weird to say now, which allowed saving in games like Metroid and Zelda, which was unheard of at the time. It was also used to buy inexpensive games through a disc writing kiosk. So to explain this a little bit more, someone would buy a blank disc, stick it into this Nintendo-branded kiosk that would be around, and for a fee, put the disc in, get, like, Zelda written on the disc, and then play it and go home. What? That's fucking insanely ahead of its time. Like, where the fuck you at, Diosk? I was going to say Diosk, but disc kiosk. They're Diosks to me. I just nicknamed them. Where you at, dog? Like, holy shit, that's fucking crazy. That's like a red box, except... You just take open the game. What what would who what would the fucking fee be? Holy shit, that's fucking crazy. Um another Japan only product for the Famicom was called the Twin Famicom. 
Nintendo partnered up with the electronics company Sharp to make some variant models of the Famicom, and one was the Famicom and the built-in disc reader. So it was just one big machine instead of being two pieces. Uh, fun fact, my nickname in high school was actually Twin Famicom. Oh, wait, I think it was Jizz Famicom. I don't remember. Anyway, the Famicom, the name, good God, the Famicom name was what everyone on the entire planet knew it as, except the United States. You see, after it became huge, those greedy fat cats in the U.S., you know, high up, politicians, you know, they wanted to change the name and the look to appeal to the losers who wanted to forget about the video game crash. So in June of 85, the Consumer Electronics Show, Nintendo, unveiled its new look for the Western Famicom. Now known as, get this, get this, now known as the Nintendo Entertainment System. And, I mean, I said it before, the, 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 you know, the rest is history. If you don't know anything about the Nintendo and you're listening to this podcast, you're just fucking eat shit. Just turn it off. I mean, I don't even want you. Weirdly, the NES produced less games than the Famicom, which doesn't, that doesn't make sense. The Famicom produced over a thousand games. The NES produced 400 some. That's fucking weird. How's that possible? It, it It's weird, but it's not. Japanese, the Japanese are always holding out on us. Get this, I didn't discover Hiroyuki Sanada until this year. If you don't know who he is, go, go look that motherfucker up. That dude's awesome. And he literally just got casted as Scorpion in the new Mortal Kombat movie. So look him up. Take that, Japan. We took him. Also, speaking of Mortal Kombat... Another Japanese thing, person, not thing, I'm sorry, is Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa, a.k.a. Shang Tsung, from the Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, you fucking know him. He's Japanese, too. I didn't discover him until that movie came out. What the fuck, Japan? Couldn't hold out on those goods. Give me your Japanese actors. I want them. So, since the NES made history, you're probably thinking, I got nothing else to say about the Famicom. You know, this guy, Famicom's in his name. All he does is talk about the Famicom. You know what? You know what? The next generation of consoles came out. And someone at Nintendo was just like, Hey, hey, let's just add the word Super in front of the Famicom. And they just walked off. It's probably the second recorded mic drop moment ever right after that first guy. The Game & Watch dude. They both... You know, they had the honors of holding the mic drops. So, in 1990, the Super Famicom was released. It was the 16-bit successor. It was able to display 32,786 colors. What the fuck? And VRAM was 64 kilobytes. The RAM was 128. What the f Jesus Christ. It was also added more buttons on the controller to input you know, Game Genie codes to make Mario's butt bigger, stuff like that. If you don't know about that code, I advise you to go back to the Game Genie episode, because there is, that's something you really need to know. It's real. You need to look it up. You need to pause this. You need to go, you need to go look it up and come back. Anyway, an another huge moment for Nintendo. They were like, we got this. We're just going to keep adding the word super in front of everything. It sold for 25,000 yen, which is a little over 28,000 now, when the Super Nintendo came out the following year, it cost $1.99, which 
insanely, which would be three ninety seven today. Fuck me, that's I'm not buying a fucking Super Nintendo. I got a Super Nintendo Mini, but I'm not. I'm not. Nah, nah, dude. The Super Famicom sold forty one million copies worldwide, which includes the Super Nintendo. That is that is insane. The design of the Super Nintendo, you know and love, is the only place you saw it because everybody else, like. I don't know what it was with America where they wanted to change shit. Every, literally every fucker on the planet got the same Famicom and they got the same Super Famicom. Everyone, everyone in the world got a simpler, more rounded case design with the Super Famicom logo of a blue, red, and yellow dot on the console. It's a fucking stupid, stupid logo. I don't really get it. But again, the rest is history. The rest is history again. Nintendo did it. That's it. I have nothing else to fucking say. The Famicom was the cat's pajamas. If you knew nothing about the Famicom, and you just came into this podcast, you're like, hey, what, what, what is this? What is this gaming podcast? I'm here to tell you useless information or useful information. Because if you're walking the street and the guy, you know, Carrie, the guy who played Shang Tsung in the Mortal Kombat movie, stops you and say, hey, what is the Famicom? And you're like, take a seat, Carrie. I got a story to tell you. And then you're sitting on a bench telling Shang Tsung about the Famicom and guess who walks by the guy that's playing the new Scorpion he walks by and he's like guys my bus just broke down do you have a story to tell me while I'm waiting for my lift and you're like sit down I'm just telling Carrie about the fucking Famicom you want to hear about it and he's like of course I fucking do and you're there for hours you're there for hours you're telling the story of the Famicom to two dudes that are part of Mortal Kombat history Okay, think about that next time you're taking a shit reading GamePro, you fucking loser. So, and that is that is it. That is the history of the Famicom. I probably left a lot of stuff out, but I don't care. Because I'm telling you what I want you to know. You know? I left a lot of stuff out for a reason. If you want to go find that stuff, go, 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 go find it. But that is the history of the Famicom. I, there's probably more of a history to the Super Famicom, but, you know, it's, the Famicom is where it's at. Coming from the gaming crash in the 80s in America, everybody was making a console. And Nintendo was just secretly making one just for themselves. They're like, okay, we're gonna chill the fuck out. We're gonna stay away from you guys, okay? You do your own thing, you get in trouble, you lose all your money. We're, we got this covered on our end. And they succeeded. So kudos, Nintendo. Nin 10, episode 10. Nin 10 episode 10 making that dough yeah they made that dough and they're making games now good for them this little company nintendo didn't think they were going to make it but they did so kudos congrats and you know let me let me get a famicom model because i got it in my name so just fucking give it to me assholes so on to the final part of this episode which it was a monumental episode to begin with you know, episode 10, finally talked about the word that's in my fucking name. And I want to end it with another sort of like big moment. Uh, I do this segment all the time. And if you don't know what it is, you know, these are my run-ins with industry folk. Usually they're stories of me running into gaming business people that are anti-Semitic or racist. But I finally have a positive one. I'll tell you, I, you know, to tell from the biz. I say biz because I'm in it. I can say biz. Anyway, I have a story that involves two of the biggest names in gaming. It's sort of like a rags-to-riches story, to be honest. It involves Mr. 
Troy Baker, and Mr. Nolan North. You, obviously, if you're listening to a video game podcast, you don't know those names. I don't, I really don't know what to, what to tell you. You know, just stop following me. Anyway, rewind to last year. I was supposed to meet these gentlemen at the Keystone Comic Con in Philadelphia. And unfortunately, as it approached, I was not able to go. And at the same time, Nolan North canceled, I guess, for I have not found out reasons why. I'll interrogate him later. But he didn't show up. I couldn't afford to go. So I contacted Troy Baker on Twitter. I said, hey, what up? Good luck. Can't make it. It was a lot longer and more, you know, there was a lot. And then I found out that Troy Baker was playing a free show at a place right afterwards, right after his last day there. And you had to have a badge from the Keystone Con to get in. So I wrote to him again. I said, hey, I don't have a badge. What up? Good luck anyway. I really want to go. And he got back to me every single time. He said, hey, if you can't get in, let me see what I can do. And I was like, holy shit. That's, I mean, he's just saying that. That's cool and all. But that's really cool that he responded. So the night it's happening, I'm at home taking a nap like any other person would. I wake up to my phone, open Twitter. Little did I know that Troy Baker just tweeted me and reached out to me and asked me for my name to put on a list to get into his show that only people with badges can get into. And of course, I see this tweet, maybe like an hour after he tweeted it. It was a half an hour before his show, and I was fucking napping. So I wake up. So there was a time that Troy Baker was bothering me while I was napping. So that happened, and I was like, fuck me sideways. Like, I was bothering this dude, and he reached out to me and invited me to a show. And specifically just asked me, and that was it. I was like, holy fuck, shit. Piss dick. Like, what, do you, what is this? So I was determined to meet these dudes again at the very next Keystone Con. So months after, last year, I was like, you know what? I'm making what the Famicom t-shirts and I'm just gonna make them. And when I'm next year, I'm dedicated. I'm gonna go, I'm just gonna give them shirts and be like, here, take my merchandise. I'm selfish, I'm superficial. I only care about myself. So I want you to have my stuff. And I also wanna meet you. So, you know, time went by and I specifically made merchandise for the What the Famicom. I made black shirts, white shirts with just the logo on it. And as time got closer, I, you know, I was heading to Keystone this past week and I wore my shirt. I had a hat. And would you know it, every single time I ran into them, they specifically asked where they can get that shirt. First time I met them, I took a picture. They said it was an amazing shirt. They both wanted it. Second second time I met them, asked me again. Uh, I, I became an ongoing thread throughout the whole day I went there. Um, I had a question in their live show for Retro Replay. Retro Replay is their YouTube show. It's pretty popular. Um, and then I met Troy Baker towards the end of the day, and he asked me again where I can get, where he can get one of their shirts. And of course, the first thing I fucking say out of my mouth is, you can buy one. Who, who says that? Who, you fucking idiot? Anyway, I get to talking to him. And he specifically asked where he can get one so he would 100% wear it on the show. On his Retro Replay show, which they have like, they have over 150,000 people that watch their show. They have over 100,000 people that follow them on Twitter and Instagram. Like, these two dudes, these two awesome, like, 
pioneers of voice acting gaming want to wear a shirt that I specifically made last year to get their attention and it fucking worked. I don't know how that works, but we talked for a while. They both said, they, yeah, they would 100% wear it. They gave me the address. I, I uh, you know, I double checked the address with the show on Twitter. I sent them shirts. You know, best case scenario, they get the shirts. It was, it was amazing. Like I said, like, what are the odds? It would be different if I was wearing a t-shirt that I bought off a website and they were like, oh, where do you get that shirt? We're going to wear that on the show. It's a really funny shirt. But I literally made this shirt to get their attention. And it fucking worked. I don't know how that fucking happens. But I sent it to them. Worst case scenario. Best case scenario, actually. They get it in the mail. They're like, ah, we vaguely remember where we saw this. Eh, we'll wear it. One of them wears it. They don't say anything to me. That's fine. Or they use it as toilet paper. They use it as toilet paper. That's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, they use it as toilet paper. And then they send it back. That is worst case scenario. Best case scenario, maybe they use it as toilet paper, sign it, and then send it back. Anyway, by the time this episode airs, maybe I'll find out if they actually got the shirts. I sent them a shirt and two shirts and a mug. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like a rags to riches story. I'm not going to lie, So because literally he reached out to me and I, I was a fuck up. I missed it, missed my opportunity, so I was 100% dedicated to get their attention and it fucking worked because they were all about my shirt and we became me and Troy Baker became buddy buddy uh I was talking to him for like a while it was crazy he started he gave me the address he he wants to wear it on the show um yeah so I don't and he he remembered the story from when he shouted me out to try to get me to the show it it was a crazy fucking time and he wasn't racist and he wasn't anti-semitic you know so I don't care what the people on the internet say about you, Troy, or no one. You guys are not like that, you know? So, you know, I might be watching Retro Replay one day. They might be wearing a shirt of mine, and I might throw up a couple of times, because that'd be really fucking cool. So if you guys ever hear this, thank you. If you don't do it, uh, go fuck yourself. Oh my god, can't believe I said that. But if you don't do it, just wipe your ass, resend it back to me so I can resell it. So that is, that is my story. That is my segment where I talk about my run-ins with industry noblemen. Like I said, usually they're fucked up people. This time, they wanted to be my friend. And I was like, yo, chill out, guys. Okay, maybe I'll let you wear my stuff. Maybe I'll send you a mug. I'll think about it. I'm going to send them an invoice, too. They better pay me back for those shirts. That was a good amount of money. Anyway, so that is the episode. That is the 10th episode to talk about my namesake. The 10th episode to talk about, you know, a company that has word 10 in it. The 10th episode to talk about probably one of the coolest days of my life, probably one of the coolest moments of my life. If you were at the, you know, Keystone Comic Con, if you're from Philly, saw me with my shirt on, fuck you, why don't you, why don't you say nothing? Because guess what? That shirt might be on Retro Replay, and I'm ecstatic if it will be. But if it's not, that's still really cool that they love the shirt. Because like I said, I made it specifically for that. So, thank you for listening to episode 10. Not that anyone really fucking cares, but the fact that I made 10 of these is really therapeutic and kind of cool. And maybe the next episode will just be about video game farts and, uh, you know, video game things I would do to video game cases. Because for some reason, all every time, every other episode, 
I talk about something something sexual with a video game character or a case. So why not throw just throw it in there? You know? I'd probably stick my dick in the Famicom. There I said it. I said it. I don't want anyone to not know that. So there you go. So thank you for listening to the What the Famicom podcast. And if you ever want to find me anywhere on social media, I am at WT Famicom on Instagram and Twitter. Don't have a Facebook because I don't want Zuckerberger to find me out. Okay? You're not going to get me, you alien freak. You're not going to get me. And I know you own Instagram, but you're not going to get me. So if you want to look me up on social media, thank you. Look me up, WT Famicom. You know, I'll be sure as hell making more episodes of these. But again, thank you for letting me get to episode 10 to finally talk about Famicom family computer. So, as always, have a good evening, have a good night, and you don't have to, you don't always have to, but game over. What was the Famicom? What was the Famicom? Famicom?